travellers and welcome to podcast 88 in our series You Should Have Been There with me Simon Calder in the northwestern desert of Saudi Arabia and me Mick Webb in a room in a house in Streatham in southwest London. Uh, Simon I can't hear any desert winds blowing. Oh, there are plenty. Let me give you a very brief description. There's actually a bit of a sandstorm just uh, uh, kicked off slightly to the west of me. So I am in a camp, a temporary one, which has been set up about uh, 60 miles, 100 kilometers southwest of the city of Tabuk in what looks on the map to be blank desert. But actually, when you get here, you are surrounded by dramatic mountains which are probably 200 million years old and they're they're sandstone so everything is looking red against the blue sky and uh, it's a joy to be here but of course I have strong journalistic uh, purpose for being here which is um, entirely related to um, events in St James's Park in the city of Newcastle upon time. Ah I think I can guess what they are the takeover of Newcastle United by Saudi Arabia and the swapping of um, uh, Mike Ashley for a crown prince. Now, we're going to be making a comparison, um, a possibly unlikely one, between uh, Tyne and Weir and Saudi Arabia in another edition of our uh, very popular Travel Olympics. Um, But first, I think we need to know how on earth you managed to get from um, St. James's Park, well, Newcastle anyway, to uh, where you are. Is it the empty quarter where you are? Is it called the empty quarter? Uh, it, it looks and feels pretty empty, but actually that refers to the huge area um, which is located as the southeast of uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, which which borders on the UAE and Oman and uh, Yemen, where there is absolutely nothing. Whereas I can see sort of tufts of of of, of um, uh, very tenacious desert grasses, and uh, um, it wasn't too long ago that, that some. Um, uh, camels lolloped past, so it's not as empty as it might be. Well, in terms of your journey to get there, you told me that you flew from Newcastle to Turkey, uh, then to Oman in uh, Jordan, and then to Aqaba, where you ended up in a service taxi on your way to the border with Saudi Arabia. Uh, this is, if you've been in various parts of the world, Latin America perhaps, it's a collective taxi which um, it is a clapped out old car of any description, certainly not licensed, certainly not insured. Don't expect the speedometer or the seatbelts to work. And then you uh, negotiate your, your your journey to the border uh, with, with the um, the people in it. And it was a very jolly journey with, um, with lots of noise. <laughs> well, it certainly sounds jolly. And that took you to the border, did it? Uh, yes, which is magnificently complicated. And I speak as someone who's travelled across Checkpoint Charlie when it was a real checkpoint. Um, this involved, I think, on the Saudi side alone, 11 separate checks, um, including during one of them, I think this was customs, um, or it may, might have been the bit of customs that was looking for um, pernicious material, um, where I think I was mistaken for a football manager. I'm going to uh, Hakul to meet my friend, and then I'm going to Neon. Yes, sir. You're a manager there. Sorry? You are a manager there? No, I've got friends there, so I'm going to see them in the car. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, well, well, I've seen you play football, and uh, I in the uh, highlands of Peru, and I think you'd be more likely to pass muster as an 007 than as a football manager. Which, of course, <laughs> brings us to uh, some tweets from last week when we were uh, looking at and discussing James Bond locations, in particular the astonishing um, southern Italian town of Matera. Uh, where the latest uh, 007 thriller, No Time to Die, was filmed, partly filmed. Uh, yes, we've had lots of uh, people uh, writing in. Alexandra Doherty, absolutely stunning. Uh, Andy Nunwick, a beautiful place to visit. And Tracy Franklin, who said, thanks for this. I was wondering where the opening scenes were set. Loza wrote, my brother married and lived in this beautiful place. A must on any bucket list. Do go and visit it if you can. And Mrs. Trellis, um, no relation to the Mrs. Trellis of I'm sorry I haven't a clue, I'm sure, said um, lots of movies filmed in Matera, many biblical ones. And this actually led me to uh, look at uh, the films that had been Mm -hmm. um, uh, shot there. And uh, they are a right um, interesting and comprehensive uh, selection, (laughs) um, including... uh, biblical ones, The Passion of Christ, Mary Magdalene and Ben-Hur, King David, oh. uh, The Gospel According to Matthew by Pasolini. That is probably worth a look. There's one called Don't Torture a Duckling, which I'm not sure I particularly want to see. And there's one which is absolutely brilliant, which I have seen, and I can't recommend it too highly. Christ Stopped at Eboli from 1979, based oh. on a wonderful book by uh, Carlo Levi. Uh, about a doctor in uh, F- Turin in northern Italy who is who is exiled by the Mussolini government uh, to this this absolutely um, godforsaken town in the south of Italy. But talking of Matera, Delicious Italy tweeted to say that not all of No Time to Die's opening sequence was uh, filmed actually in Matera. The bridge jump was filmed in Gravina di Puglia, which isn't too far away. And if I might just also pick up, you mentioned torturing ducklings. Well, here's a duck connection in Kent. And this is some research which I've um, rather unhelpfully done after the event. I should have included it last week. Um, In the print version, the original book by Ian Fleming of You Only Live Twice, it's revealed that James Bond spent his early years under the guardianship of an aunt in a small cottage beside um, quotes the attractive duck inn at the quotes quaintly named hamlet of pet bottom which if you look at your map you'll find is very close to canterbury and according to visit kent who's providing this information that very cottage is now part of the pub well well do you think pet bottom might actually be the title of the next bond film I'm not sure that that would be acceptable, nor these days whether you could use seriously the title Octopussy as a film title. But on that subject, Linda writes, Our first night in India was to be memorable after continuous travel from YYZ, that um, is Toronto, to Udapur in India. We finally arrived at the Lake Palace. It was overwhelming in so many ways, as is India. Exquisite hotel and service. Yes, of course, the inspiration was that film, Octopussy. Anyway, enough 007 stuff. Let's get on to the serious (laughs) business of the day, the Travel Olympics. Tyne and Weir versus Saudi Arabia. And I think, uh, Simon, as a warm-up event, uh, you've 
compiled a little quiz. I, I did. I thought it would be useful um, as I began my journey from Newcastle to Saudi Arabia uh, to find out what the good people of Newcastle knew about the country that now owns their football team. Um, it didn't make begin particularly well. I uh, met um, two ladies, Christine and Janet, beside the Tyne, um, a lovely location. They were just drinking coffee and I had a quick chat with them. And, well, they, they did their best to help me. Now, as you will know, Newcastle United um, has been taken over by Saudi Arabia. There's three questions I'd like to ask you, yes. if I may, as the train races past. Um, so, first question, do you know the capital of Saudi Arabia? It's a Dubai. No, no. I'm on the wrong end. <laughs> you sort of, well, it's very close. Dubai is quite close to um, Saudi Arabia, oh, yes. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, it's, well, let's try Riyadh. Right. Okay. okay. Do you know the currency in Saudi Arabia? Oh my goodness, no. 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 Oh no, no uh, do you want to have a stab? <laughs> Things looked up though when I um, retreated to um, grab some coffee myself in a well-known uh, uh, chain and I actually bumped into the only Geordie I claim in Newcastle who... I met who could answer my questions, and this is Michael, and this is what he told me. Um, can I just first establish, are you a supporter of Newcastle United? I am, actually, yes, have been. Uh, I actually was raised in Nigeria, but my father's a Newcastle fan and got me onto Newcastle from an early age. Uh, that's fantastic news. I'm delighted to hear it. Um, so, I've been asking various people in uh, Newcastle some questions, and um, so far they haven't... Um, come up with exactly the right answers so uh, I know you will do this um, so uh, capital of Saudi Arabia Riyadh the currency uh, is the Real as in Madrid yeah, yeah, yeah. and the top football team in Saudi Arabia yeah, that's debatable my friends who are Saudis will murder me for this one but uh, uh, I'll have to go for Etihad to go with a friend of mine who are over in uh, Jeddah I'll let you have it. No, but, but hang on, I've, I've checked the results and, and basically it's either El, uh, Al, Al Halil or Al Nasser. <laughs> All right, I'll, um, I'll have to go for uh, Al Nasser, I think. But my friends will not be happy with that one because they're all Etihad fans. Um, okay, Etihad, just to um, avoid any con uh, confusion, oh, is nothing to do with the well-known stadium in Manchester. Mm. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's just that they're down on the coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. down over on uh, Jeddah, on the western side of uh, Saudi. So, Michael, how do you know these answers to these questions, which um, uh, I'll give you the last one, by the way, um, that <laughs> nobody else that I've met um, has been able to tell me? Uh, it's basically because I'm well-travelled, dare I say, and also because uh, I've got a lot of um, Saudi friends and friends from the Middle East, Kuwait, Oman, and I was in Saudi about three and a half years ago, travelling a bit. So, yeah, uh, various places, Medina, Mecca... Uh, Jeddah and also a place called Yenba but I haven't done as much as you yet though. Well he might not have travelled as much as you yet but he certainly put in a, um, a good performance for the black and whites. 
he certainly did. And uh, it, it was very interesting. Once I got out here, I started asking people as soon as I got to the Saudi border. And uh, Fahad, one of the officials there, um, was very happy to talk. Do you like football? Yes, I do. Do you like Newcastle United? It's a Saudi club now. I know. <laughs> yes. So we just bought it like one week ago. Of course, it's yes. very exciting. So I have a question for you. What is the what is the currency? Oh, thank you. That's very kind. What is the currency of the UK? What is the currency? What money? Do they spend? Not real, not dollar, what currency? Pound. Pound. Very good. Yes, it certainly is. And I apologise for the um, terrible noise there. Um, as we were speaking, an enormous row broke out between uh, uh, one of um, uh, Fahad's colleagues and um, a driver who was clearly unhappy about one or two things, which might be the fact that it appeared to be taking about three or four hours to cross this border because it was Thursday afternoon, that just before the weekend, and 12 buses had turned up going from uh, Amman in Jordan to Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. So it was a, a quite quite a lively place to be. And I've talked to other people since, since I got properly into the country. And yeah, generally, they will know that uh, the capital of uh, England is London, the currency. Most of them know that it's the pound. And then a wide range of views on the top uh, football team in uh, in, in England, um, Manchester figures mostly and um, more United than City, but Liverpool and Chelsea also get, um, I was going to say, honourable mentions. Mentions, they get mentioned. Um, oddly, Crystal Palace was nowhere. Ah, you just wait until we're taken over by um, North Korea and, uh, and rocket into the uh, stratosphere of Premier League spending. Yeah, well, I, 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 shall, I shall look forward to that, yes. Um, uh, well, that was the warm-up event, so now now it's the, uh, the rounds of the competition proper, and we have to compare uh, briefly the size and population of uh, Tyne and Weir and Saudi Arabia to uh, get an idea of, of, of what the game really is. I think Saudi Arabia win mostly, don't they, on that score? Oh, they certainly do. Population of Tyne and Weir, about 1.1 million. Um, Saudi Arabia, 35 million at the last count. In terms of area, well, of course, uh, we must use the as the unit of, of measurement, the uh, size of Wales. Uh, Tyne and Weir is only 140th, uh, whereas the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia is 100 times larger. So that gives um, them a 4,000 to 1 advantage on the size stakes. And they'd certainly win uh, a kind of sand competition, wouldn't they? Although, actually, Tyne and Weir has got a couple of nice beaches. I, I have been to one of them. I, uh, I think it's Long Sands Beach, which is really, you know, quite a quite a nice one if the uh, if the, uh, the the sun is shining which does uh, occasionally happen <laughs> and uh, um, but but Saudi Arabia obviously a bit more sand but what about water I reckon maybe Tyne and Weir would would win that one with a couple of cracking rivers wouldn't it Oh, it certainly would. The Tyne uh, flowing through um, to empty at, uh, uh, well, North Shields and South Shields. Uh, the, the Weir, uh, which makes its way down to Sunderland. 
and flows out to the North Sea as well. And look, if you are looking for an amazing expanse of sand presided over by one of the most exotic early 20th century buildings in the world, look no further than Whitley Bay and the Spanish city, a wonderful structure right on the seafront um, and uh, a gorgeous uh, uh, place to go and very easy to reach on the excellent Newcastle or Tynham Weir Metro. Uh, what about um, other tourist attractions? Um, I, I, uh, I know that uh, there's some nice bridges in Newcastle yes. and there's the Baltic Centre, which is a, a, a very decent um, art uh, museum and uh, centre, as its name suggests. Uh, what kind of things does one wonder at in, um, in Saudi Arabia? Uh, well, that, uh, it, it, the main thing is, of course, just the desert, the astonishing uh, scale and beauty of it, um, and the fact that actually humanity has been here for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands probably of years, um, that, that in, the, in the sense that uh, quite probably um, Homo sapiens, having emerged from uh, East Africa, um, then, then went north following the line of the, uh, the the Rift Valley, and that takes you straight through. So where I'm speaking to you from, quite possibly, um, we share DNA with the, um, uh, the, the, the early humans who, who came through here. But in terms of, of, of uh, kind of more modern attractions, uh, I've yet to get across to Riyadh, where I understand the National Museum is uh, ex- extraordinary. Uh, and where where I'm right now is an area about the size of Belgium, actually. So I think that's a couple of uh, Waleses um, known as Neom. And this is the blank canvas on which Saudi Arabia is constructing its touristic uh, drive for the 21st century. Um, but you've also got uh, to the north of me um, Al-Ula, which is... a, a, a an ancient um, uh, caravan stop along the, uh, the, the the long and winding road through the desert to um, uh, Wadi Rum and indeed Petra in Jordan and ultimately to Damascus. And that has uh, the same sorts of um, uh, astonishing rock-hewn uh, structures as you would find in Petra, um, but you haven't got any of the... Uh, uh, the crowds. You've also got the the Hejaz railway that constructed at enormous expense. It, it really to, to try to get from um, uh, Damascus to to Mecca to uh, allow people to to take part in the uh, Hajj pilgrimage. Um, it's it's now been lost to the desert, but uh, a highly atmospheric place and somewhere which is going all out to open up um it's uh, basically three years two uh, maybe even two years since they pretty much in the same week said women could drive here and uh, you're also going to be allowed to uh, come in very easily as a tourist it takes five minutes to fill in the form, online form to get an e-visa and that uh, that pops through very easily and uh, opens up this uh, this uh, vast and strange um, and very friendly generally country welcome yes is it uh, is 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 it as uh, 
warm i mean it's obviously warm is it as warm and welcoming is it is it as warm and hospitable in saudi arabia as it uh, as as it is in uh, in in tyne and weir uh, well, okay. Um, now I am speaking here as a male, um, and therefore the welcome that I am receiving is quite possibly different um, that, that, than some uh, that, than Western women may receive. Uh, while the dress code has relaxed, while the religious police are no longer out and about um, uh, punishing people for for. Um, breaking the 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 um uh, strict religious code uh it is still absolutely necessary to be conservative in your dress and I, generally yes i mean does that mean both, no shorts for you have, is that uh... Uh, well, I, I'm not wearing shorts, no. Um, but but for women, I mean, yeah, sure. you, you would not in any. You know, you might in, in in these touristy areas, you might possibly have bare arms. Um, and in the 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 port city of of Jeddah, uh, it's a bit more relaxed. But in the capital Riyadh, which is really the heart of the um, uh, conservative Islamic society that uh, pervades uh, in Saudi Arabia, you would. Um, you, you you would uh, most definitely be uh, be discreet or um, be called out for it. It's uh, it's an uncomfortable place, I think, to be a woman. But uh, the, the things are changing. People tell me, and uh, it, certainly talking to the expatriates who live here, of whom there's very many from, from the West, particularly the UK, uh, the US and Australia, um, they say that things are changing fast and um, they are looking forward to to more changes. Um, well, it doesn't sound as though a night out in Riyadh would be a, a lot of fun, oh. whereas I know for a fact that a night out in Newcastle uh, is a great deal of fun, sometimes too much. Um, yes. But uh, what about food and drink? Is uh, I think we can safely say that uh, <laughs> if you want a, um, a decent bevy, uh, yin... Um, Tyne and Weir is going to win hands down. Well, you say that, you say that, but um, uh, clearly alcohol completely banned, and that's uh, that they x-ray entire cars at the border. Um, I couldn't believe it. So they, they, they've got a little conveyor belt. You park your car, and it trundles through. Oh, oh, it, effectively, it's like, you know, the airport x-ray scanners, it's yeah, like one yeah. of those multiplied tenfold so that you can actually fit a, a small truck through it and they x-ray everything to make sure that nobody is bringing in um, any of that nasty um, uh, alcohol stuff. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're not going to enjoy a drink here. However, you will enjoy, I think, eating and drinking. Um, might not, particularly if you're a vegetarian, um, uh, just quoting from the... Uh, a uh, really very good Lonely Planet guide. Many Saudis consider vegetarianism either as an incomprehensible Western affectation or something bordering on culinary apostasy. In smaller towns, you'll need to do make do with rice and salad. Um, and I think things are, are slowly changing. There's lots of, of, of kind of buffet-type meals so that you can help yourself to, to hummus, to fool, which is... Um, 
uh, fava beans all, all mashed up. Oh, yeah, that's um, lovely, yeah. Lots yeah. and lots of bread, of course. I haven't been served the tongue of a camel, which apparently is um, uh, the greatest uh, tribute you can pay to pay to a guest. So I'm quite, quite glad about that. Um, and, 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 you know, there is, um, you're, you're told that uh, you, you um, must accept the first three cups of coffee offered by your house by your host it's an insult not to um i believe in uh, newcastle it's an insult to um uh reject any of the first three pints that you are being bought um that luckily is not a problem here (laughs) well i think i would uh on balance um prefer a savaloy dip which is uh, I, I know for a fact one uh, great geordie uh, <laughs> um dish uh is it a dish well it's a it, yes it's a obviously it's a sausage in a bun really but it's got uh, lots of other things in it um like uh, peas pudding and uh, butter and uh maybe stuffing as well and certainly mustard anyway that is certainly preferable to a camel's tongue <laughs> however it's cooked in my book uh, yes uh I, I haven't i haven't looked into the uh, the menu choices but um uh, uh, uh yes I, I i think likely sauteed with a few fava beans is the uh, is, is possibly one way of of, of doing it well, so far I've I've totted up the scores, and uh, as is as as always seems to um, be the result of uh, one of our uh, Olympic uh, um, travel competitions. It's a it's a high this one a high scoring uh, <laughs> score draw, something around four four. Maybe as a penalty shootout, where we should uh, discuss the uh, respective human rights. Uh, records because there's been a lot of uh, a lot of attention paid to uh, Saudi Arabia uh, and uh, what it uh, gets up to um, over the past two or three years, um, uh, starting with the uh, um, the bizarre and hideous murder of Khashoggi, the journalist, uh, and uh, and that's only one example of uh, of what is generally considered, if you look at Amnesty's uh, 2020 report, everything you want to know about uh, Saudi Arabia, repression of rights to freedom of expression, association and assembly intensified. That was in 2020. Among those harassed, arbitrarily detained, prosecuted and or jailed were government critics, women's rights activists, human rights defenders, uh, relatives of activists, journalists, member of the Shia, members of the Shia minority and online critics of the government responses to the COVID pandemic. Uh, Virtually all known Saudi Arabian human rights defenders inside the country were detained or imprisoned at the end of the year. Now, that's a pretty grisly list which puts Saudi Arabia, well, above North Korea and and, uh, Syria and the Central uh, African Republic, but uh, uh, pretty low down the the rankings when it comes to any sorts of uh, indices of human rights. Oh, absolutely agreed. And um, just to continue our comparison, with northeast England, um, the former owner of Newcastle United, Mike Ashley, was um, berated, I think, by uh, MPs. This was five years ago on the Business Innovation and Skills Committee um, for running what they called a Victorian warehouse um, and, uh, for instance, paying less 
than the national minimum wage. But I think by comparison, well, there is no contest um, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia loses. Interestingly, when I was speaking earlier in Newcastle to Michael, who I met in the coffee bar, he was saying that, yep, well, people tend to be hypocritical, whether they're uh, football fans or whether they're tourists like me going to places that have uh, less than perfect human rights record. Um, And it made me think also that perhaps tourism could help um, spread enlightenment and tolerance in a place like Saudi Arabia. If you open up to the West, then I think that might actually spread a bit of joy and it might help to unlock things in this um, still really quite repressive kingdom. Well, let's see how the touristic development goes in, uh, what's the name of the place again? Neom. And I think you'll be hearing quite a lot of it over the next few years. Right. Well, it's time to wrap things up uh, for today's podcast, but uh, do please uh, get in touch with any thoughts you have, possibly any real examples that you can find of uh, of tourism uh, that has improved, not just the economic lot of uh, of people but also maybe their um, human rights so please let us know in the usual way you can tweet at you should have bt or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and leave us an audio message we're looking forward to your thoughts and the next podcast indeed and for now from me mick webb in streatham and for me simon calder in saudi arabia goodbye goodbye goodbye